I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, um, sometimes I don't really pay attention to the words of songs, <laughs> uh, and sometimes I do. Uh, this morning I was, and uh, the last song we sang, there is nothing better than you. In fact, every time we sing that song, I, uh, that's, man, that just hits me, that one, one thing, that one phrase, and uh, man, is is Christ, is there nothing better in our life than Christ? I mean, we have to evaluate. We have to, there's nothing better than you. Um, I honestly think that's going to become a, um, something we're going to all have to be really, saying and wondering and evaluating as we go into 2021 and the years ahead of us. Um, I just have a real, uh, I'm not one who, I'm emotional, but I don't usually make decisions based off of emotion. I kind of, I look at things and I kind of plan things out and then I take a step of faith and, but, <coughs> excuse me, um, I'm really concerned about our country and where we're going and what that's going to do to Christians. I'm really concerned what it's going to do with our, to those who call, those who are Christians who call Grace Point their church. Um, I, you know, I just have, I know what the Bible says and I know what's been happening in our country and I, I, I won't get into it just yet. It's part of my message. Anyways, so, <laughs> this is what I was going to start with, but that song just got me going. So, just a little bit of a, a Christmas update here. So, God's still working. Uh, 46 people indicated salvation at the three campuses for, during our Christmas uh, services. So, the five Christmas services that we had, you can do the math as to figure out what the average was. Uh, Grace Point, we now know that it was four who have indicated salvation. There might have been more, but we know of a a fourth person, so now we know there's four. Um, we had a total of 12 for this year, again, with COVID and not meeting for a while and just trying to get things going again, and then things got going through the summer, and our services were going. We had people here, and, and then something happened this fall. <laughs> I don't know what, but people started getting the second wave of fear um, going. But still, we saw 12 people come to Come to the Lord this year, and that's just awesome. So just a little real quick update. 162 people at this point called Grace Point their church. It's basically our list of people who are regularly attending, and we see them from time to time. Um, that's a growth of about 30 people or more from last year. So again, even in the COVID situation that we're in, we saw growth as a church. We're averaging right now about 90 um, on a Sunday morning. Uh, that's 56% of our total people. The average in a non-COVID year, if you just looked at church attendance in general throughout the country, they say 64% of your overall attendance will show up on a Sunday morning. So it's just kind of interesting little tidbit there if you're into stats and all that kind of stuff. We've had a 97% return rate um, after we voluntarily shut down for those several weeks. So 97% of the people who were coming prior to the shutdown 
are back. Okay, so that's really awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to small groups starting in 2021, we're trying to get that rolling. So it's going to be kind of, you know, slow process, but getting some leaders in place, or sorry, facilitators in place. And, um, and then we're going to have a Connect class on the 24th. I'm not sure what the video said. I think the video might have said the 31st. We're going to do ours, ours on the 24th. I didn't want to put it off another week. Um, so we're doing ours on the 24th. And then we're tentatively going to be having baptisms in February. So those who have come to Christ here recently, or if you've come to Christ years ago but never been baptized, uh, we'll, we'll get that going in February. So we're kicking off a new series called Borrowed Times, or Borrowed Time, Borrowed Times. Well, it could be Borrowed Times, too. And um, it, it's amazing to me, I'm not sure if you guys are news junkies or not. Um, I've become one. <laughs> Sadly, probably shouldn't. Um, but again, it, it helps me kind of keep track on what's going on in our world um, and what's going on in our country. And then I kind of feel like as a pastor, I have to know that. I kind of need to know what's happening so I can kind of look to the future and say, okay, Lord, what do we need to be doing as a church? How do we need to get, get ready as a church? One of the reasons why we're doing small groups is part of that process of getting ready for whatever the Lord might allow um, coming down the pike. It's always good for fellowship anyways, but we may have to be a little bit more under the radar as a church in the future. So one of the reasons why we're doing small groups is that the news is fascinated with death. Have you noticed? Fascinated. They love to report the number of COVID deaths that are happening. They just love to do it. And so then that causes fear in the hearts of people as they wonder, so-and-so got COVID. I got COVID. Am I going to die? It's, it's amazing, sadly amazing, that there's so much fear, and there's fear in the hearts of Christians as well. The very pe people who should be not fearful of death, certainly, are fearful, they're worried, they're concerned. And I don't want to be insensitive, come across insensitive. I'm from Chicago, so me just talking sounds insensitive. But I don't know if we know this or not, but death has been with us since the very beginning of time. We understand that, right? People have been dying for centuries. Again, I don't want to be insensitive. My mother just passed away a few months ago, so understand I've experienced it very close. But my mom was ready, and she's in heaven, and I'm confident that she's there. And so as much as she's, it's sad that she's gone, I want to be in her shoes. I want to be there. I mean, it would be awesome. But people are so afraid of death, and Christians, you guys, we've got we've to not be afraid of death. We've got we've to realize what this world is all about, why we are still here. And so maybe it's a good thing that we're at the beginning of 2021, with COVID still here, the news still jamming it down our throats, that death is right at our doorstep, which has always been at our doorstep, 
Maybe it's good that we take some time in this series to really talk about what's, what's really important. What, what do we need to do as, as Christians? We need to evaluate our lives. What's that going to look like? We're going we're gonna to be talking about that over the next several weeks. I want to start with a question, a couple, actually a series of questions for you guys to think about. And, and I do this just because this is what I do to myself, so I figured I'm going to draw you into my pain and... Um, you know, we can have, you know, pain loves, you know, how's it go? Misery loves company. This is what I do. So I, I thought I'd just throw you guys into it. If you were on your deathbed, praying that death doesn't happen anytime soon for any of you, but if you were on your deathbed, you had the opportunity to draw your friends and family, all those people that you loved into the room, what would you, what, was your, what would be your advice to them? Having lived the life that you've lived, having seen what the, the world has been, don't answer, just think about it though, answer it in your head. What would your last words be? What would your advice be? What would you be saying? This is what you need to, of everything else that could go on in this world, this is what you need to focus on. What would that be? My mom didn't have an opportunity to share last words with us. She went so fast that it wasn't, you know, wasn't able to happen. Um, then let me ask you this question. If you knew that those standing around you were Christians, and you knew that what their future held was pushback from non-Christians and from government entities, um, beatings, arrest, and potentially death. What would you be advising your loved ones? Knowing that you're going to get out of there in a couple minutes. You're, gonna, you're going to heaven. They're going to be there. They're going to be experiencing persecution. What would your words be? Were your answers the same? Because they should have been. Go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, page 1190. When you were thinking of that question, did part of you think maybe what I should tell my family is just lay low? Don't let people know you're a Christian. Take heaven that God's given you, but don't say anything. Hide. Or was your thought, no, we need to go to town. We need to double down on this gospel thing. We need to, you guys need to get out there. Paul is in prison for his third time. And so he's writing to Timothy. This is, these are Paul's last words of the 13, 14 letters that he wrote in the New Testament. This is his last one. This is to Timothy, his, uh, the guy he trained up to do ministry. He led Timothy to the Lord, and then he trained him up and put him into ministry. Paul's in prison because 
He was preaching the gospel. He was telling people that the God of this universe put on flesh, died on the cross, rose again for them so that they could have their sins forgiven and eternity in heaven. Did it shock any of us that a government would put somebody to death for that? Because to me, it seems kind of shocking that somebody would do that. It's kind of like the person who's scrolling through Facebook sees something that offends them, and then they just trash the person for putting that up. Kind of weird, just scroll past it. Why not? Wouldn't the government just scroll past Paul? What's, who cares? Christians are not that big of a deal in the, in the first century. Here's the deal. The deal is when a person truly places their faith in Christ, it changes how they live. And when it changes how they live, other people see the change and they naturally or spiritually, maybe is a better way to put it, feel convicted of that. When, When we live out our lives the way Christ wants us to live, there is an inherent conviction that happens to everybody else. And the best way for that person who feels convicted, whether it's a person or a government, the best way for them to get rid of that is to either shut the person down so that they don't feel that, or get rid of them. That's what's happening in the first century. Christianity is moving. People are becoming Christians. Their lives are changing, and it's drastically impacting, even though it's on a massive number of people, it's drastically impacting the lives of those who are not placing their faith in Christ, and they don't like it. And they're pushing back. And they're saying, let's get rid of it. Let's cut off the head of the snake. So they're going after Paul. And they've arrested Paul. Paul is going to die a martyr's death in Rome because he's been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he writes to Timothy. And he says, listen, as I'm facing death... Let me remind you of what the most important thing is in this world. As I get killed for my faith and you have death hanging over your head now as a leader of this church in Ephesus, let me tell you what the most important thing is. But here's the deal. This letter isn't just to Timothy. Letters like this back in the first century, even though that was written to Timothy, it was read aloud to the church in Ephesus, and then as the other churches found out that Paul just wrote another letter, they want to know what's going on with Paul, and so they said, hey, can we have a copy of that letter? And so they would copy out that letter, and they would send it over to Colossae, or they'd send it over to Philippi, or they'd send it to Corinth. Everyone's reading this, and so as we read this, I'm reading it as a pastor. You guys need to be reading it as a Christian who has a responsibility to follow through on what God's called you to do in your life. God's called me to be a pastor. And so I read this stuff, and I'm just like, yikes. You should be saying yikes, because this is for you as well. This is stuff for all Christians to understand, to grab hold of. What's the most important thing because we're all living on borrowed time. And we're all going to experience some sort of persecution. Either from family members who don't like the fact that we're followers of Christ, or friends who don't like it, or co-workers who don't like it. Or what's coming down the pike, a government that doesn't like it.
So let me start out. We're going to read a few verses. We'll talk about it, read a few verses to talk about it. I thought it would be the best way to kind of split it up. So Paul starts out kind of like he normally does in his letters. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. By the way, every one of these verses could be an entire sermon. <laughs> There's a lot in here. So Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. He's talking spiritually there, he, as we talked about. Uh, Timothy became a Christian under Paul's ministry, and Paul poured into him like Christians are supposed to do, discipling others. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Paul, sitting in prison, waiting to die. And what is he doing? Night and day he is praying. And one of the people he prays for is Timothy. Because as I'm reading through this, and as I understand 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul has a concern. And his concern is, the last time they were together, together, Timothy had some tears. And now, obviously, Timothy's bummed that Paul, he's not going to see Paul again, so I'm sure there's some tears there. But I'm, putting, I'm trying to put myself in his sandals, and I'm thinking, if I was him, what would I be? I would be thinking, oh, man, I am next in line. And so I might be reading into this a little bit, but I think that Timothy's tears could indicate that there's some fear in Timothy's heart. See, Paul didn't fear death. He said, I have a clear conscience. What he's saying there is this. I know, and he's going to talk about it more in, these, in this book, and in this chapter. Paul has a clear conscience. He knows that what's most important in life was the gospel, was making sure that he shared the gospel no matter what he faced, no matter who said he shouldn't, no matter what government agency said he shouldn't, he went and he shared the gospel with people. He told people that God loved them, and that he died for them, and he wanted them to have salvation. Paul had a clear conscience, that's what I'm about. That's what I'm doing. And even in prison, he had that impact. Paul could have kept quiet. Paul could have said, you know what? I'm going to lay low. I'm, I'm going I'm to, I'll be a Christian, and I'll, I'll get heaven, but I'm just going to... Or he could have just rejected it. And they would have freed him. They would have let him go. He could have had a, a nice, long, successful life building tents. They had a lot of tents back then. It's like building houses. But he didn't. Because Paul's the one who said in Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. We only live 80, 90, maybe 100 years. We're going to live for eternity. So Paul's death is at hand, and his only concern is for Timothy and for the other Christians 
And by that, for us today, those he's going to leave behind. And Timothy, last time he saw him, what he remembers is Timothy crying. He's going to miss Paul. And I think he's also a little bit scared. He's a young guy. He's had Paul there all the time. He could always reach out to Paul. He could always send him a letter. He could always take off and go see him. It'd take a little while, but he'd get there. But he'd be able to see Paul. He'd have somebody to hang on to. His mentor was still there. Now his mentor's going to be gone. You ever lose somebody close to you? And you're thinking, how can I go on? What's my life going to be without this person in my life? Paul knew that Timothy's heritage, his, his faith heritage, his relationship with God, that all that, he knew that that was sincere, that, that Timothy was truly saved. He's seen Timothy do and serve in such a way that he, he realized that. But this is his second letter to Timothy. So he knows that Timothy needs some extra encouragement, kind of like us today. And so he's He's saying, listen, Timothy, I know that that your faith is sincere. That's not hypocritical. You're not saying you're a Christian and then not doing life God's way. You're not a hypocrite. You're sincere. But your tears concern me. Timothy's the next generation of leaders. The apostles are being Timothy's next. The church is going to continue to be persecuted. Paul's wondering, is Timothy going to throw in the towels? Is he going to say, I'm done? Would Timothy believe the lie that, you know, if I just keep my faith to myself, if I just keep it personal, if I I don't tell anybody about it, if I just keep low, if I go find another job, life will be good and I'll be okay. But confident that Timothy's faith was sincere, that he wasn't a hypocrite, so he knew he wasn't going to hide it, Paul gives him and us what is the most important thing. We'll jump right into that. It says this, For this reason, in other words, because I know your faith is not hypocritical, I remind you, reminds him, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. This is smack you in the face stuff right here as Timothy is reading this. Paul's like, listen, I know that you are sincere. You are truly a follower of Christ. All right? And so I want to remind you of something. Remember 1 Timothy, I had to write you about some stuff, and I had to encourage you. Don't let your youthfulness concern you. Be an example. Do life God's way. Let people know that you are a follower of Christ. That was 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy, he's having to remind him of some things. And he says, kindle afresh. It means to stir up the coals. People who like to have fires, right? We know what that is. I have my fire stick. I have this little copper pipe real thin. I blow into the fire in order to get the fire going again. And what Paul is saying, listen, you need to recommit to this mission. I get the tears. I appreciate the tears. But now is not a time for tears. Now is a time to recommit to the mission. 
God has given you a spiritual gift as we've all who have placed our faith in Christ have received at least one spiritual gift. Maybe more, you can have the debate on your own. But Timothy's been given a spiritual gift. He's been given a spiritual gift of, of teaching and of preaching. Paul later on in first, or 2 Timothy says, do the work of the evangelist. He's got a job to do. He's got a mission to accomplish. And so he says, recommit yourself to do what God has called you to do. Here's why. Because you haven't been given a spirit of timidity. You know, sometimes I wish the guys who translated scripture wouldn't be so soft and cuddly. What Paul is saying is, listen, Christians aren't cowards. Christians don't just go out and just... We're not, we haven't been given the spirit of cowardice. We haven't been given the spirit of faithlessness. We've been given the spirit of power, love, and discipline. Power, dunamis, dynamite is what we get our word for. Force, God-given power. The God of this universe is willing to empower us to do what he's called us to do. We've got power. We've got love. Agape love, self-sacrificial love. Yes, it's going to cost us something. It's, it cost Jesus' life on the cross. If we think as Christians we can get through this world without suffering, if we think as Christians that we can get through this world without getting sick once in a while, and maybe the sickness doesn't feel good. I mean, we're, we are living in some sort of fantasy world. This life is not to be lived in comfort. It's not a comfortable world. It's a world full of sin. And so, yeah, we get diseases. But if we die, we get heaven. We have people who don't like us because we're Christians. Love them. Yeah, it's going to cost you friendships. It may even cost you other Christian people who are like, whoa, that's way too, that's out of the box, man. You can't be doing that kind of stuff. What are you doing getting together with your church family during COVID? Whoa. We love them anyways. We, we, it's going to cost us. To do life God's way is going to cost us. It cost Christ. It's going to cost us. And he says discipline Self-control, if you want to call it. I would call it God-control. Doing the hard work. Discipline is all about hard work, right? Nobody likes the D word because it's about hard work. It's about doing the stuff that's hard. But then seeing the results of hard work. I love, most of the time, doing the hard work of remodeling a house. I love getting here, tearing it. I got snot up my nose. I got dust up my nose. It's just, I'm you know, nasty and I stink, but that's good hard work because then I can put it back together and make it look even better than it was, I hope. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes not. You know, why, why do you guys, people who love playing instruments, put time into practicing? That's hard. You could do something else. Sports, work, whatever it is, but we've been given a spirit of discipline. God's been working in us 
God is empowering us. God wants to use us. One of my new things, our mission is to be in God's word with God's people sharing God's message. That's what our mission is. This was Timothy's responsibility. This, was our, this is our responsibility. We have to do something once we've placed our faith in Christ, not for salvation, but because of salvation. What is that? We've got to take steps of faith. We've got to look at the world the way it is and say, this is scary, and I'm going to have a lot of pushback from people, but I'm going to take a step of faith and not be a coward. I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to experience God's power, God's love, and God's discipline in my life. Why was Paul so confident? Why could Paul sit in prison and say, yeah, God's going to take care of all this, and, and if I go to heaven, that's even better. Why could Paul do that? Because he took steps of faith every single day. And in the face of pushback, in the face of persecution, in the face of people not liking what he's doing, he stepped forward in faith, and then God used what he did to impact people for Christ. People came to Christ, people grew in their faith, and people saw a God, Paul saw God do work. And that's what gave him confidence. That's why Paul wasn't a coward. If we're not going to do life God's way, we're not going to experience his power in our life. If we're not going to do life God's way, we're going to be cowards. We're not going to be courageous. We, 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 you can't become courageous if you don't see God's power in your work, in your life. So Paul's about to get killed, and then he says this, Therefore, since Christians aren't cowards but are courageous, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. What are you, nuts? Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, our death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to us, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, because Jesus appointed Paul as a preacher, apostle, and teacher, he says, I also suffer these things. I'm suffering because I'm doing what God's called me to do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in whom, maybe be, help us, I know in whom I believe, and I am convinced that he, God, is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. Paul's, Paul has entrusted his life to God until that day. I need to fly. So Paul's saying, listen, people might be reading that and go, hey, wait, doesn't Paul care about Timothy? Is it, what's, Paul is very insensitive here. Because Paul should be concerned about Timothy's welfare, and he's not. He's saying, suffer. No, Paul's saying, man, join me in this, because this is where it's at. Doing life God's way is where it's at. This is where we see God's power, experience God's love in and through us, 
and allowing us to be disciplined and accomplishing what God calls us to do. He says, join me. Why? Join me because God has saved us. God has saved us. Those of us who are followers of Christ, God saved us from sin's power in this world and an eternity in hell. Not because of anything we've done, but because he offered to and we accepted it. And we get to go to heaven when we die, whenever that is, and whoever it is that kills us. Or whatever it is that kills us. So we better be focused a little differently in this world if we know we got heaven set. Join me because God has called us. He uses two different words here. He's done this a couple times, Paul does in his letters. There's two different words for called he uses here. The first one is, hey, hey, oh, over here. Calling out to somebody, hey, oh. So Jesus is calling us. He's calling out to us, hey, over here. And so we walk over and like, oh, salvation? Yeah, I'll take that. But in that call of, hey, over here, salvation, is another call, which is an invitation to accomplish the mission that he sent us to do. Am I yelling? I apologize if I'm yelling. I feel like I'm yelling. So salvation is God getting our attention and inviting us to join him in his mission. It's both. Not one and not the other. It's both. You don't get heaven and go, I'm going to hide over here. Nobody will see me. And then when I die, I'll go to heaven. No, it's both. And then because God will protect us. He talks about guarding what we've entrusted. Guarding has this idea of a soldier who's guarding something. So God is like a soldier, an infinitely powerful soldier, standing there over guard on our lives. What what have we entrusted to him? We've entrusted our lives, right? So he's got a guard over us. We move around, he's with us. Wherever we're going, he's got us. He's our guard. He's going to protect us. Paul's confident that God will protect his life and Timothy's life. And if I could just say this, maybe <laughs> it's the only way God will protect us. Here's the deal. Life is difficult whether you're a Christian or not. You're going to get the same diseases whether you're a Christian or not. But if as a Christian, you're going to say, like, Man, I can't go then God's going to be like, well, that's not what I've called you to do. So if you want to be over there by yourself, you need to be with me. But if you want to be over there, then experience the consequences of this. It's called discipline. And any good father will discipline his child. If you, want to, if you want to know God, just in general, if you want to know who God is, if you want to really experience God in your life, you have to do life his way. Because he doesn't give you power to do life your way. Paul talks about two more things. He says this, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. So another thing that we're accomplishing the mission or being recommitted to the mission, retain the standard. It means to hold on to the Bible. That's a little bit different for us because we have the Bible. For for Timothy, he, he had Paul's words initially, and now he has Paul's writings, but he has the other apostles' writings, and he has the Old Testament. So these sound words are the Bible. 
He used to have Paul in the flesh, but now he's got his words, and he's got to remember those. He's got to retain those. He's got to hold on to those. He's going to have to trust that what he's been given by God is what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. There's no other message. For us today, we've got scripture. There's no other message coming from God. Those who hear God speak to them, I don't know what they're hearing. It's in scripture. So he's got everything he needs. And then he says this, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Kind of neat. Paul talks about the fact that we have, that God is guarding what we've entrusted to him, which is our lives. And then he says, because of that, then we need to guard the treasure we've been given. What have we been given? The gospel. Who is the gospel? Jesus Christ. So as God guards us, as we've entrusted ourselves to him, then he says here, let me entrust Christ to you. The message of Christ. The gospel. So guard it. Like a soldier protecting something of value, guard the gospel. Make sure nobody takes the gospel and twists it and does something else with it. The gospel is the gospel. It never changes. It is what scripture says it is. Hang on to that. Guard that. That's what you need to be teaching people. That's what you need to be uh, demonstrating to people. Guard the treasure that's been entrusted to you. We're going to learn next week that Paul's supposed to take that and then entrust that to others. This word entrust has this idea of you hang on to it, you receive it the way you've, you have it the way you've received it, and then you hand it off in the same condition as you received it. So we don't change the gospel. We don't change the mission of the gospel. We don't change how we do life because there's some sort of persecution, there's some sort of virus, there's some sort of governmental thing, there's some sort of pushback from family. We, we, we do the gospel. We live the gospel. We share the gospel. And Paul closes out, at least this part of the section, of course, when he wrote letters, he didn't have chapters and verses, it was a letter. But we're going to close it off today with this. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, great names, I've been trying to encourage Justin and Ellie to maybe, you know, throw those names out. Of course, if it was a girl, it would be Phylogia. Anyways, the Lord grant mercy to the house of Anisiphorus. Nice. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he was in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered at Ephesus. Paul finishes out at least the section that we're reading today to remind us the mission isn't easy, but that shouldn't scare us because we're courageous, right? All those in Asia turned away. They rejected Paul and the gospel. They rejected Jesus Christ. They said, you know what? We're going to go hide. We've got the spirit of timidity. We're going to be cowards. We're running. We're out of here. Can you imagine how Paul must have felt? I'll tell you guys, when I see people that I know turning from the Lord, 
Some people think, well, I, I don't know, maybe they don't think this, but I think people think this. Well, that's because Harold just wants a big church. No, listen. I believe what the Bible says. And I'm not perfect, but I believe what the Bible says. And, and I believe when it says that a, a church, that a Christian needs his church family, that means a Christian needs his church family. And when the Bible says a, a believer needs to be in God's word, that I believe God, a Christian needs to be in God's word. And when God's word says that a Christian needs to be sharing his faith with people in spite of what people may say, do life God's way in spite of what people may say, even Christians, they still do it. And so when I see people walking away, I hurt for them. Because now they're never going to really know the, the incredible blessing of knowing God, of, of knowing the power, of knowing the love, of knowing the discipline. It's just sad. He also brings up Anusiphorus, and a lot of people believe that he's dead. Like Paul at the end of the letter says, hey, you know, send my greeting to Anusiphorus' family. So a lot of people believe Anusiphorus, because he connected with Paul, that he was killed. So then you have the other extreme. You have the person who says, I'm going to be courageous, I'm going to do what's necessary. And was killed for his faith. So as the band comes up, what's our takeaway? Again, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to the news. I don't know how much you tie things together and look at what's going on and what, whoops, what things can happen that would cause other things to happen in, in spiral. All they know as a nation, we're not getting better. So let me encourage you with one thing. First thing is this. Research what's going on in our country. Please research. Don't just listen to CNN, MSNBC, CBS, NBC, all the network news. Don't just listen to them. Go research what's really going on in our world Get into other news organizations. Research it. Because you better be ready for it. And the second thing is this. How will you face the pushback you'll receive? You guys have to determine for yourselves. Are you going to be a coward? Are you going to keep it on the down low, quiet, hide? Or are you going to be courageous? You're going you're to double down on it. Because you want to see God do some cool things. You want to be confident like Paul was and who God is and what he can do in your life. Christians are to courageously share the gospel knowing God is protecting and empowering us. That's how we move forward into 2021. That's how we move forward in the face of whatever might be coming down the pike. As we close in this song and as we sing about what God's done for us, I just want to encourage us to consider these takeaways. Dave.